Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From building a well-balanced college list and developing a payment strategy to creating a high school plan and more. Each episode will help guide your family through various steps of the process. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. We're recording this on November 1st, which means that I'm exhausted. (laughs) We have reached a sort of finish line for many of our seniors. Uh, It's the day after Halloween. There is a teacher strike in Portland, Oregon that is starting this morning. So I got a lot of stuff going on in my life, but I still have time for all of you listeners, right? So we're going to talk about the students that have been to some degree neglected over the last couple of months, the students that we haven't maybe acknowledged so much. And those are any students who are not seniors, uh, those students who are not working on essays, those students who are not applying to college this year, but still are thinking ahead to a successful high school experience who are hoping to get their ducks in a row when they apply to college next year or beyond. So we want to start with juniors. And to do that, I'm welcoming my fellow baseball fan, Nicole Doyle, from all the way on the other side of the country. Where it snowed today, Ian. It snowed. snowed. So you have your own host of problems on the West Coast. I woke up to snow today. Uh, did you see did you see the snow, the avalanche that the Texas Rangers put on my Diamondbacks last night? Because that's another problem. I didn't think I didn't we needed up. to talk. I didn't think we needed to talk about it. I was gonna tell everybody, you know, if you're listening to this, it's November 9th, and either the Diamondbacks have pulled off this remarkable comeback in games five, six, and seven, or I'm really sad uh when you're listening to this. So for now, I still have cautious optimism about the pitchers we have going in, in the next three games. My sophomore said they're going to win tonight. Well, I love that. I love underclassmen. I love sophomores. I love their excited energy, right? They still have this optimism about the world. And that's great. And I'm going to channel that into tonight's game time. But we're not talking about sophomores yet. We're (laughs) going to have Kara on to do that in a moment. Let's talk about juniors. Um, Juniors are, I think, starting to get a little bit like, hey, this is happening for me. Like I'm going to be applying to college basically less than a year from now, only slightly less than a year from now. Um, are you starting to hear rumblings and whispers from, from juniors and, and from families that you're working with around, you know, let's, let's kick this thing into gear. And what are you saying to them in response? So it's interesting. I actually have had personal friends who have juniors since I'm in the high school, high school mitts that they have reached out and said, what do I do right now? So it's, I think it's, it's very relevant to right now. Maybe it's November 1st, maybe it's suddenly realizing we need to do something, but I think juniors are suddenly realizing it's time. Like a lot of calls being scheduled, just all around people are looking for information. And I, 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 I've kind of been thinking about the college process right now and breaking into three parts. Like, yes, right now is a junior, your academics are still number one. It's busy. Like I know in the Northeast, like the first quarter is coming to an end. So I think students are feeling a lot of a crunch. So academics, like they've ramped up. I think it's busy and there's a lot going on academically. Socially and activity wise, like you're in the heart of everything that you've done. So students are taking, getting involved, getting more involved. Like I just saw a volunteer opportunity pop up for high school students. So like students 
should take advantage of different things, but stay active in what they're doing. Yeah. And then there's the college piece. Like I just had a message sent from a friend who said her daughter want is thinking two hours from home, possibly pre-med, like where should they start? And so I think that's a great question. Where do you start? Like start thinking, start researching, start seeing what's out there and that'll get you where you need to be. Um, but yeah. those initial those initial conversations to say, what are you thinking is always a really great place to start. Yeah, I agree. I and, and I like that you've broken it into those three parts because I think what that does is it helps to establish our priorities. You know, if your academics are slipping because you're starting to research colleges or because you're maximizing extracurriculars beyond what you have space for, it's not a smart trade-off, right? So we want to make sure that we've got everything in order with respect to our classes that we're being challenged, that we're engaging with the, the expectations of our teachers and doing well there. Mm -hmm. And if that is well in hand, then there is space for us to kind of explore these other opportunities. I do think it's important to state, you can start researching colleges now, you can learn about colleges now, you could also wait, right? If you feel like you're a little bit overwhelmed and you've got a lot going on in the classroom and maybe it's the middle of a, a sports season for you, it's okay to wait a, a couple of months. But I think there are some students that are starting to want to have these conversations and that's perfectly fine too. Um, I think about these two streams that are happening kind of side by side, one being the application process and the other being the research process. So applying to college starts on your first day of high school with all your classes and your extracurriculars, everything that's going to be essentially captured in the application you submit. And then the research process is how you decide what to submit, uh, or I'm sorry, where to submit it rather. Uh, so, so which schools you're ultimately going to apply to. I want to talk about the application process first, the things that kind of go into the application. I'm going to leave aside things like course selection uh, because you can't do that right now. Um, I'm going to leave aside grades because we would just say, get the best grades you can get, right? Do your best. But I do want to talk about extracurriculars a little bit. And I want to talk about testing a little bit as mm -hmm. a part of the application process. That's really salient right now. So let's start with extracurriculars. I think students might be kind of taking a look around, taking stock of, of their activities. How would you encourage them to think about where they are in terms of their extracurricular profile and where they should be going, what they should start developing in the near future? I think a good thing to do right now, if you haven't, if they haven't already, is start to write those down. Like think, go back to ninth grade and say, okay, in ninth, in 10th, how did I spend my time outside of the classroom? Like, was I active in sports? Were there clubs and organizations? Was it a combination of both? Did I have a part-time job? Like, what were those things that I was doing and how have I spent my time? Yeah. And I also like to see, I, there's a couple things I like to see. I like to see if students have an interest, like maybe you have an interest in business. What are the different ways that you've been able to explore or learn or kind of be able to develop your interest in that area. And I think that's a good place to keep stock in of looking at, did I join future business leaders of America? Did I take advantage of a, maybe a, a shadow or an internship opportunity? Like what are those ways that I was able to kind of see and explore outside of just the classroom? Yeah. And so I always think that that's a great way to, to do it. I like to use the term layers. So when I say layers, it's thinking of, okay, let's go back to baseball for a second. I'm a baseball player, but what are the ways, like, if I really love baseball, can mm -hmm. I coach a team like this spring? Can I already set it up to coach a team? Can I, can I ref or umpire in, in the league, 
the little league this spring. What can I do to like add those layers? And those are good things to think about now. How can I add? I like that a lot. And because I think a lot of students will say, I don't quite know what else to do. I might have some space in my day or in my week where I could take something on, but it's hard to know how to get started. And, and you're giving them a great idea, which is take something that you already really like, that you do really well. What are some other ways to express that interest? And, you know, umpiring a baseball game, is a, that's a great idea for someone who's really into baseball to get that, that job. If you are thinking about coaching, that can be a great way to bring some mentorship into your love of a, of a sport. So I like that a lot. I also think that there's an opportunity you're speaking to, if you know what you want to study, you might take on some activities that are connected to that. There's also an opportunity to say, I don't know what I want to study, but I'd like to get some more information. So maybe I should join FBLA because I might want to do business. Maybe I should join the debate team because I'm interested in learning more about politics. Um, maybe I should look for an opportunity to get engaged in some sort of a healthcare volunteer setting because I might want to be pre-med, right? So that's an opportunity for you to take a look and say, what do I actually like? And get some right. experience that can support that question. That's really good. What's the role of... Um, parents and families in this. A lot of it ultimately comes to the student and what they are able to execute. But how can parents provide support in this space um, so that students have the time, uh, the resources, whatever it may be, uh, without feeling pressured to take on the things that they're interested in doing? I think a lot of it too is asking the right questions. Like, what do you want to do? Like, what are your interests? Like, oh, there's a college an hour down the road. Would you like to do a visit? Like we have a day off from school. Like I know like many schools in the next couple of weeks have some days off here and there. So it's kind of like, what, you know, what are you thinking? Like what, as you look ahead, like what are your thoughts on that next step? Or what do you want to get involved in at school? And not only from the parent side, like I always find there are many, many students that react really well to older students in the school. So even talking to seniors a little bit too, like the juniors to say, I have this senior friend. Let me ask where they're at in the the application process or what activities did you like? Like are you a, do you have a leadership role that would be interesting or did you start the ping pong club and can I be part of it? Like what are like so many students respond so well to that. So I think the parents as a resource to build the foundation and to ask the questions and then the students to actually ask the questions. Yeah. That's great. I, it reminds me of like going to, you know, like learning a one of those, um, the dances that you do at a, at a wedding that everybody knows the steps to, but maybe you don't. And so you're looking around to figure, okay, that person looks like they know what they're doing. I'm going to kind of follow along with them. You can do that with older students, seniors right. who kind of look like they know what they're doing to help get you in the right steps. And then you can figure out a way to put your own, you know, particular individual flair on the, on the right. things that you're doing. Um, I love that. All right. I want to talk about testing because I think another thing that really activates students to start thinking that college is coming quickly is the PSAT. We know that the results of the PSAT are essentially meaningless for all but a very small sliver of students who might be a part of the National Merit Scholarship process. Um, but it does get students thinking about testing. Uh, and so when students come to you and say, hey, I got to think about my standardized testing, what are some things that you're telling them uh, in terms of getting their timeline in order here. And I think as far as, so a lot of students, whether sophomores, juniors, took the PSAT in October. So probably at least a couple of weeks ago, within the past few weeks, the results are not out yet. 
Um, but I think as far as that's a good starting point to then see, I think our challenge this year is I know the November test is coming up and then the December test, those are the last paper tests. And then the digital right. form starts in March. So I think it all depends on students' timelines. March would be the first time to take it for a junior if they haven't taken it already. And then you have May and June before the completion of junior year to be able to take it. So I do, and that's the SAT. The ACT is on a little bit of a different time frame, but I do think that students should think about, okay, what is my best timeline? Am I in a sports season that I can't do March, but I can do May? Yeah. Then you're also like, if a student has AP exams, May is a busy month. So it's really kind of determining which is the best timeline. How do I want to prepare for the test? And if I want to prepare for the test, maybe I should start thinking about doing that in January, self-studying, taking a class, whatever preparation they want. You do need to kind of back that up a little bit to start in advance to then being able to take it whichever month you decide. Yeah. And, and it's, it's very important because there are two different mileposts we're looking at. What's the day you're going to take it, but then what's your ramp up look like? It's very similar to applying to college. If you have a November 1st deadline, that doesn't mean that you do everything the day before November 1st. You're getting your things in order. You're writing your essays for the SAT. You've got to study. You've got to make sure that you understand the content. You've got to seek out resources, whether that's going to be a tutor or the Khan Academy, which offers these free online classes for the SAT. But you have to figure out how to be prepared so that you're not wasting that sitting. And I think that's one of the most important things for students that I speak with is I want you to take this test as few times as possible. We can't be sitting for the exam four or five times, even though you're allowed to do that. It is not a good use of your time and energy. Um, test optional is something that is ubiquitous at this point. Uh, a lot of students will ask, well, does that mean I don't have to take the exam? What's your guidance that you're offering individual students that might um, be a little bit anxious about the SAT or the ACT this spring? I usually recommend students take it, like go in and take it at least once, see how it goes. Because we do have one challenge is some of the schools haven't established their testing policy into fall of 25. So if you are a current junior, we don't know what's, if a school is going to stay test optional or if they're going to go back to requiring. So you do want to take the test. And to, to Ian's point, you don't want to take it four or five times. Like, you know, go in, take it a couple times and be done. Like, yeah. just be done. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things of really determining and following your path, but but take it at least once and see how it goes. And there's always going to be schools that are test optional. There's been school, test optional schools forever, but we also don't know if schools will go back. So it's one of those things to be sure to have it just in case. It's a really good, you know, the runway for uh, schools looking at the data of uh, test optional is, you know, they started this process in 2020. So that would have been with the class that was applying for the fall of 2021. That means that those are students who are graduating in 2026, right? So they're looking at basically, we're only a couple of years into this experiment of how do students do in terms of their performance and our graduation rates under a test optional policy? And you could see some schools that say, hey, we need to bring tests back because we need this data point in order to determine what success rates will look like. And you could have schools that say, we've determined that we definitely don't need these. Caltech and MIT are great diversion examples of this. Caltech has said, we don't need tests at all. MIT has said, we, we do need tests because it does predict 
success in that freshman year. And so you've got test-free Caltech and test-required MIT after both being optional for a couple of years. Let's leave testing aside. I think we'll probably have some more shows on that uh, you know, in the coming months. I want to ask a little bit about research. And, and I think you'd probably agree that no student has to know where they're going to apply to college by the end of this calendar year, or probably even by the end of this academic year. But what's something that a family can do to really help plant the seeds that are going to make this college research process more enjoyable and more tailored to the student over the next few months? I always say start, even if it's a name. So pick a name of a school that you're familiar with. Maybe you like their football team. Maybe it's local. Maybe it's a school that your neighbor attended. Maybe you don't know anything about it and you just want to research it. But just start looking. Like there's so many sites you can start with. Like there's through the college board, there's big future. Like just start like typing in a name, looking up the school, looking at their offerings and determining like what, why is this an interesting school to so many people? And I think just those initial pieces help you to see, oh, this is interesting. So why don't I research other schools that are the same size or maybe within the state that I'm interested in in, in going to? And yeah. I think that helps to narrow the universe. Like you want to see what's out there, but you want to learn about places that maybe seem familiar for particular reasons. So just start small or even in your backyard. And what you'll find is that that way of gathering just little bits of information will get you where you need to be to say, what size school do I want? What setting? Do I want an urban campus? Do I want, you know, a closed campus that's away from a city? Like, what is it that is the criteria that I'm looking for and will direct my search? And it's it's really important to acknowledge that you're not asking a question right now of, do you want to attend this school or not? We're just saying, what do you like about it? What are some things you don't like about it? Let's build your vocabulary. Let's develop a sense of what your priorities are going to be. <clears throat> you know, when I was a student, um, I essentially grew up on the campus of Arizona State because my parents are both professors there. And when I was visiting Stanford University, I actually didn't like the campus so much because it felt big like ASU did to me. I was sort of like, this feels too much like ASU. It's too spread out. It's like a, it's like a city and ASU and Stanford are really, really different, both in terms of selectivity, but also in terms of the academic emphases at those schools. Uh, but there was still something about it that felt very similar to what I was trying to avoid. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I ended up at a very small school, but that, that input was really, really helpful in Mm -hmm. establishing kind of what my preferences were. So don't overlook those schools in your backyard. That can be great. Um, Any kind of mindset guidance that you would you would leave with uh, or part with for students that are in in two months turning the calendar over to the year where they will apply to college? Is there anything that you want them to keep in mind uh, over these next two months just to make sure everything is situated well? I think the key piece I say right now to a junior is the college process does not need to be all encompassing for you right now. I'll take little steps in the process think about it, do some research, focus on school, focus on, on on how you like to spend your time, but don't feel like everything that you're doing right now has to be related to the college process in terms of, just like you said, I don't need my list solidified in the next month. I just need to start exploring. And yeah. so, you know, enjoy your junior year as much as it it's challenging and, and exciting and fun, but make sure that college is in the back of your mind, but not every thought. And I would say, 
you could adapt that exact advice for parents. Make sure that you are not treating every action your student takes as all-encompassing for the college process this year, right? There's still opportunity to give them space to enjoy high school. Um, That's great, Nicole. Uh, We're going to turn away from juniors and bring in Kara and talk a little bit about freshmen and sophomores now, but uh, this was a really great way to help anchor those students who are looking ahead to applications. Yeah, thank you. Glad to have you. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Don't go away. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. For 25 years, families have trusted Bright Horizons College Coach to guide them through the college admissions process. With nearly all of our students getting into one of their top choice schools, it's no wonder why. Our experience is unmatched. As former admissions officers at top colleges and universities, we've read the essays, reviewed the applications, and made the admissions decisions. We know firsthand what colleges are looking for. Ready to meet our team? Visit getintocollege.com slash experts to learn more. In every college application, there's that moment of pause before a student hits send. Is this my best work? With Bright Horizons College Coach, your student will hit submit with confidence. We take the guesswork out of applying to college. Students get help with everything from essays, summer planning and visits, to testing strategy, merit aid, and more. As for our results, 100% of students have earned acceptances, nearly all to one of their top choice goals. Visit getintocollege.com slash experts to learn more. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. We just had a nice conversation with Nicole Doyle about juniors and what juniors are focused on right now as they think about the college process. And I acknowledged in the intro that we've been spending all of our time thinking about seniors, that we've almost forgotten that these other students exist, but they do, and they're out there and they've got some questions about college. And so today uh, for our second segment, we've brought in uh, Kara Courtois, and we're going to talk a little bit about freshmen and sophomores. So those ninth and 10th graders who are still in the first half of their high school career. Kara, welcome back again to the show. It's great to have you. Where do you start with ninth and 10th graders? I think that there is sometimes there's a sense from parents or from students that there's got to be something that I need to be doing right now Mm. in order to put myself in a good position. And from us, it's not just, wait a second, I'll talk to you later. Uh, But it also is, there's a measured tone of, you don't have to be doing, you know, lifting the earth uh, at this point. How do we find good guidance that can help a student feel like, they're on the right track, but mm-hmm. they're also not pressing at this early phase in their high school career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's still the space that I love to talk about with that age group is really- We got the right guest. 
Good. Yeah. Where's your curiosity? Yeah. And how can we just encourage that? And really, I, I've been thinking so much about this before you even asked me to be on this because I have kids in this, you know, age group generally. And um, it is sometimes where I'm different than some parents in, you know, overall, but, but overall, you know, we as parents sort of decide, you know, where our values and, and interests lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and with this age group, I think in general, it's just a great time to figure out well, who is my kid, how is my kid showing up and where are their strengths and how do I meet them there and maybe identify whether with the help of a teacher, a guidance counselor, or just as a family, where might we try to dig into that a little bit? So in other words, if it's not just relying on the academics, but within the academics, where are their strengths? Because sometimes you start to see because their honors and advanced placement or IB, those options are coming up usually at this stage. So, and every kid is not meant for that, but where are the strengths so that maybe we should be, I think at least in many schools, you do need to be a little bit aware of what are options coming down and might where we nudge in there um, for the academic side. And then for the activity side, it's where are their interests um, that maybe haven't been options even before, you know, maybe some clubs haven't been an opportunity because of COVID, or maybe they're not making the sports teams, you know, for some students as things get a little bit more um, challenging for tryouts and things like that. So it's not just, oh, well, this no longer exists. I don't know what my identity is. How do we help you foster, you know, where your anchor points um, will be? So a base role, a base suggestion I often encourage is identifying two activities for and for some students, it's like each season because their schedule yeah. might change according sure. to sure. what's going on. And for some students, it's kind of for the year, it really, that depends, but making sure they have two engagements outside the classroom, like when yeah. it comes to activities. It's interesting because in the last segment, Nicole talked about academics, extracurricular activities, and then kind of the start of the college search. And you've only talked about academics and extracurriculars. And that college piece, I think, is not pressing. It's not something that we need freshmen and sophomores to go out and start thinking about where they're going to fit. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I love that just in the natural course of things, the two of you named the same two components, but then mm-hmm. she added something uh, that I think is pressing for 11th graders. I want to go to your your statement about strengths and just see if we can get some examples there. Mm-hmm. Because- uh, sometimes it feels binary. We'll talk to a family and they'll mm. say, he's interested in STEM and that's the strength, or she's not interested in STEM. Mm-hmm. So that's not the strength. But I think mm-hmm. you're talking about something um, much more specific to the student that maybe is even not even not attached to an academic subject. Mm-hmm. So what are some examples of strengths that parents might find in their kids when they really sit down and think about them? Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it comes down to personality, you know, too, that you see some kids, and I'll just go basic of they're just really kind and caring. Yeah. And so how do we lean into that strength? And, you know, my immediate, maybe because I'm a former community service advisor, <laughs> you know, is to say, there's so endless options. Yeah. And honestly, one of my favorite things to do with kids um, 
especially when they're in that, I haven't found my place yet. My identity is not defined as a soccer player, or maybe it is, but I'm only, yeah. that's only one season perhaps, you know, and so what else can I play with that I think um, taking a core characteristic such as kindness and leaning into it could be, well, well, what is something you can do with that? And let's look first at community service just because there's endless options and it can really be a place of where you can define yourself even outside of the school sometimes. Because yeah. I think sometimes kids get into a box of, well, you know, I go to Key Club, which is a community service club, but like, I don't know, they're all kind of just doing fundraisers and that's not really exciting, you know, yeah. to me. And like, yeah. oh, I would have actually said the same thing, like, same. Mm, yeah. not really my thing, I'm out. But where, but then when I pull up volunteermatch.org, for instance, has a really cool, totally free profile that I think is a great brainstorming tool. And I always encourage parents, let's pull it up and look through, well, what are the causes that speak to either you know, your interests. And I love doing that because sometimes a student will be like, oh, immigrant refugee. Like I'm, and I would not have been able yeah. to get to that level had it yeah. not like come up or homelessness and hunger. And they're, they zone in on that. I'm like, we would not have gotten there either. Tell me more about why, you know, yeah. and start. And a lot of times it does come back to like, well, my family's always volunteered at X or in my religion, religious community, we always sponsor, you know, uh, a refugee um, family. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, tell me more about that. So it's sometimes just pulling away the layers of what already exists there yeah. and helping a student to see, well, you can actually make this your own now. Like maybe this has been a family thing, but we can lean into that. And what I love about doing that with community service as an example is, um, it's malleable. So a kid who maybe does do athletics is still able to pursue something. But for a kid who doesn't, it might be a space where they can really kind of foster, you know, uh, an anchor point and not be so limited by just what's in the school. That's okay. what I think really gets, I think, wheels spinning for families where they might feel like, well, he's not really rising to the top at his school. Right. All right, let's look yeah. outside the school then, <laughs> you know. And rising to the top in that context has a very inside the box kind of assessment, right? Yes. It's, are you the starter on the team or are you in the top X percent of the class or right. are you taking the most challenging classes? And so it doesn't often make space for the kinds of strengths that you're speaking to. Totally. Um, I love the way you're connecting the dots, right? And I think that there's really great advice there, which is that sometimes you can be in too much of a hurry to get the answer. Right. So 100%. I need an extracurricular activity. And so what's it going to be as opposed to you're caring and kind, mm -hmm. you might be interested in service. Let's look at the things that you care about. Let's find the causes that draw you in. And then let's look for opportunities to express that. That's going to take time, right? You're not going to yep. sit down and just in five minutes, have the answer to that question. And so I think that that patience is, is really key. Um, there's also an opportunity here, something that um, I always ask students actually when we're working on the college essay process, mm -hmm. because you're talking about a level of self-knowledge and um, reflection that I think is really helpful when students have to start talking about who they are later on down the road. Mm -hmm. And if they practice it early, it's helpful. But I'll have them sometimes think about, let's say you are on the soccer team. How do you engage with your athletics 
differently from your teammates? How is your approach different? Are you a harder worker? Are you um, more of a team spirit kind of person? Are you somebody that recognizes when others are low? We can find strength just in terms of how you engage with others in the context where you feel the most comfortable. And then that might allow us to unlock something really cool for you as well. Completely. Yeah. And with that, I wanted to say, sometimes it's also, don't wait for the big idea, just do something. And that's where I come back to like the two, like, do you have a rule of, or a goal, we'll call it, of I will be engaged in two activities per season or per year, you know, overall, so that you're doing something. So we have more information because- If you don't, and I definitely have met many students over years, they're like, oh, well, I went to that meeting and they hop around. Totally fine, especially in ninth grade to kind of shop things. But at the same time, I sometimes with 10th graders, I was going to say a good thing, a good visual tool is let's just look. Have you ever, I ask regularly, have you ever seen a college application? Because most, Mm. why would they have unless they have an older And I'm such a visual learner that I say, let's just take a peek so you can see, and we're working backwards. It's like a reverse engineering. If you had to fill this in today, what would you put on that uh, extracurricular page? And not to be threatening, but just a visual tool. Right. Like what what could you put because of what you've already done? And what would you actually like to include here? What are the things that you're hopeful are in this space? Sorry, I, yeah. I didn't mean to jump to the end, but I was like, I think that's such a great exercise. It is. It's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, what do I hope, what do I kind of imagine yes. that I'm going to look like as a candidate or like a, we're not yes. a finished product by any means when we get to senior year of high school. Yep. Thank goodness for that. Um, but, but what do I hope that it's going to evolve into mm-hmm. and how am I living up to my hopes for myself and, and what are some ways that I can kind of complement uh, things yes. that I might be missing? Yeah. Um, I love, I love that uh, as a potential visualization. I also think like what you're talking about, about trying new stuff, that's always something I come back to for freshmen mm-hmm. and encourage mm-hmm. them. I think a lot of students are afraid that if they start something and they quit, that yes. that's going to look bad, yes. uh, that they can't And the focus it. is on the quitting. That's right. What What's yeah. your kind of response to students who maybe are trying a lot of stuff, but aren't yet finding something that's really grabbing them and might feel discouraged about mm-hmm. that? Yeah. I ask more questions, you know, and try to um, not feel, I think it's where students fall into comparison. My friend is, you know, always doing this and I haven't, you know, I don't think they articulate it as I haven't found that space yet, but I think that is the truth oftentimes. And so I just always come back to kind of like, where do you feel a sense of belonging is, you know, something that, I think is really what the colleges are actually using those activities for. Where have you, you know, created community or where have you established like your place in yeah. your school? Yeah. Um, and when they're not looking at the transcript, that's kind of because they're trying to speculate or we were when we were at admissions, where are you going to be on our campus potentially? That's and right. we're not expecting your light switch that it just happens to be you're in college. I'm going to get engaged let's see a little bit of exercising of that. And so um, I think that sometimes frees students up to start envisioning other possibilities, you know, and um, hopefully leaning into some of those curiosities that they didn't even realize they were allowed to when they painted themselves into certain boxes, perhaps. Yeah. 
yeah, I think that that predictive value of like, what are we learning about you through your activities? And what does that mean for when you get to college is really yeah. powerful. And it's never a one-to-one, like you're in the key club. We're excited to have you in our key club. Like that's yes. not what it's yes. about. It's yes. more that's about demonstration of care and commitment yep. to a community and how that might be experienced on the college campus. Yep. Um, I often tell students, you know, there's not a whole lot that you'll do in your freshman or sophomore year that will be the thing on your college application. There are also some things that you can do as a freshman or sophomore that will never explicitly be talked about in your college application, but Mm -hmm. still have some um, positive impact. Mm -hmm. Just in terms of your broad guidance for students, what are some things that they can do ninth and 10th grade that will help them to be better citizens of the world, better ready to engage with college expectations, uh, Mm -hmm. more prepared to be able to put together a strong application, just anything, anything like that, that we can leave our, our underclassmen with here. Yeah. I mean, I think just in and of itself, how can I add to my community, be it the school, be it to, you know, your surrounding town, anything that's an issue of importance to you. It doesn't have to be just through volunteer work, but, um, or again, a strength, like I often think, a lot of people are really good at working with little kids, but they may overlook that, you know, as yeah. a core value and it shows up beautifully, you know, on applications, whether it's um, sometimes even helping within your own family because family responsibilities goes on an application. That's right. That's and right. I think that gets, that never comes up. Like people are always surprised when they see that on an application and I'm not really sure what my 10 year old would do without his older brother being a huge influence, you know, in his life. So, um, yeah. Final thing I wanted to say is, you know, starting to to think about like how you want to grow utilizing in the the summertime, because that can be really exciting. I think yeah. sometimes parents, it sneaks up on them of like, wow, actually the summer could be a space for growth. And one thing I was thinking about is work experience. I think a lot of seniors go to put in and I was like, oh, well, did you have a job? Did you forget to put that on there? And they're like, no, I never worked. I'm like, actually, that that was an easy one, <laughs> you know, yeah. overall yeah. that um, especially ninth, 10th graders, they they don't, parents sometimes I've found don't realize they're old enough to work, yeah. you know, overall. Um, yeah. And that can be invaluable and an easy thing to really kind of leverage while they're trying to figure out maybe other areas of interest. Yeah. Start to cultivate that. Um, yeah. That work experience. I, I think that's great. I would yep. put in one one other little plug as we sign off here for reading. Just read. Read as much as you can. Absolutely. Uh, read anything that you like. It doesn't matter what you're reading, but I continue to see such a powerful correlation between my readers and my reflective writers in the college process. So um that could be a whole reading. other episode. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We could do a whole, <laughs> a whole show on reading. Great. Uh thanks, Kara. Really a pleasure. Appreciate having you. you. Uh, Good to see you too. When we come back, we are going to talk about what underclassmen can think about with respect to paying for college. Uh, So don't go away. We'll talk to our finance experts in a moment. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. For 25 years, families have trusted Bright Horizons College Coach to guide them through the college admissions process. With nearly all of our students getting into one of their top choice schools, it's no wonder why. Our experience is unmatched. 
As former admissions officers at top colleges and universities, we've read the essays, reviewed the applications, and made the admissions decisions. We know firsthand what colleges are looking for. Ready to meet our team? Visit getintocollege.com slash experts to learn more. In every college application, there's that moment of pause before a student hits send. Is this my best work? With Bright Horizons College Coach, your student will hit submit with confidence. We take the guesswork out of applying to college. Students get help with everything from essays, summer planning and visits, to testing strategy, merit aid, and more. As for our results, 100% of students have earned acceptances, nearly all to one of their top choice goals. Visit getintocollege.com slash experts to learn more. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. We have spent the first two segments of today's show talking a little bit about high school underclassmen, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, who are now starting to think about turning the page into the second semester of their year and uh, what life ahead is going to look like for them. And of course, parents are also starting to think about the pressing need to pay for whatever that student's college goals are and the different kind of financial implications that might be associated with that. So we want to, of course, take some time to talk a little bit about the financial piece of that looming or exciting college opportunity ahead. And joining us to do that is one of our college finance experts, Alex Bickford. Hey, Alex, welcome. Hey, thanks, Ian. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you here. Um, I think that uh, for for underclassmen, you know, sometimes it's hard because it feels like paying for college is right around the corner. But also, there's such a big question mark, especially for early high school students, of where are they going to go? Are they going to be scholarship eligible? Are they, uh, you know, where are they going to be competitive? So many things that we can't necessarily know at this point. What is something that you try and tell families? that will help them to stay on top of the expectations of college finance, but will also allow them kind of the flexibility to be able to go where they need to, depending on their students' evolving interests? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And I think it starts with those, and, and I find it more rare in our household as well, as kids are so busy, sitting down around the dinner table and having just a conversation about this. I find that so often families don't have conversations about whatever it is in the college process, but specifically in the college finance process. Like, you know, as parents, what do we have to contribute? Uh, do we are we able to contribute anything, uh, or is it going to be you know maybe books uh, and some miscellaneous stuff, or is there you know a budget that we have uh, as far as college goes? So I think starting those and setting those expectations early and having an open dialogue of you know, this is what we expect to be able to help you with. And we also know that we have maybe three years or two years or even just a year before you go to college, but we have some time uh, to maybe help you a little bit more. But setting those expectations, because as you said, Ian, the major could change, the school interest could change, 
you know, uh, the grades certainly will impact where the student can go and where they might be merit eligible. Yeah. But that budget isn't going to change. So you need to find kind of where that budget is within any sector of school uh, that that student's looking at. Uh, and I think setting those expectations early just on the kind of big picture cost thing is important. But then on the smaller stuff as well, just the expectation of is this student going to work over the next three years of high school and through college yeah. to help cover mis their miscellaneous costs? Or, or is we as parents going to essentially allowance them through these next seven years? Um, and what does that even cover? Yeah. Uh, so. yeah, and I'd love to come back and talk about that. I want to talk, just ask you a question about yeah. these conversations, because I think about like television and movie tropes where you kind of have the parents in these hushed tones are having conversations about bills or budget. And yeah. then the kid walks in and the parents quiet and they like, you know, hide everything. And they're just like, how's it going? What is the, what is the right level of inclusion to have with the student? Would you recommend that these conversations early on are happening only between parents? Is it better to bring the student in early on? And just, is there any guidance you can give to families that might be sure. reticent to include the students in, in budget-related conversations, uh, especially early in high school? So that's a great question. And I know different families like to either include or exclude their financial lives from their students. What I will say is that including them earlier on uh, can help them understand better how this process works and help them good be be good financial stewards later in life. Uh, so, you know, that would be something to think about. And it does not mean they need to see every detail of the conversation, uh, but having them see to a limited degree of the conversation back and forth between uh, parents of, you know, geez, you know, what, what's important to us and what's not important to us so they can understand kind of how that conversation goes is perfectly okay. Now, I also would say that having an initial conversation with your partner on this uh, about the kind of the overall budget of college is probably good to have offline first so that you are close enough to the same page and present yeah, yeah. a good united front to the student. There's nothing more uncomfortable than getting on a three-way call with you know, two parents and the student and having the two parents be on very opposite sides of the spectrum as far as yeah, college yeah. costs and the student having no idea which one's going to be the final answer. That's so, right. That's right. They need a focal point. They need, they to need know a focal point. What, what, what's the answer? Yeah. Uh, and there can be a range. It, it doesn't mean you, know, you have to come up with X amount of dollars a year. Maybe it's something in this range is perfectly okay. So you you alluded to the personal finance picture of this, and I think not a lot of people think about personal finance and college finance as being intersecting, but they really are, uh, not only because a, a student is responsible for some of the costs mm -hmm. or might be responsible for some of the costs, but this is also an opportunity for that student in their new independent lives and in the start of their independent lives right. to start to develop some skills. So how do those conversations begin? And when can you start planting the seeds? for that, that personal finance piece of the conversation? If you haven't started planning the seeds yet, it's a great time to do it. Uh, and even if it's just little things like setting up a bank account, yeah. simple, right? Getting a bank account set up so the student knows how to make transactions. Uh, that could be just a simple starting point for someone in high school. They may know Venmo, but they don't know where the money comes to get to Venmo. Uh, and they don't know, you know, they don't know any, any of that behind the scenes. And so oftentimes we see, and just even in my personal experience in college, I got there, I was responsible for everything. 
Uh, but I also didn't have a good mind for budgeting just yet and found that, you know, my friends were doing things that I wanted to do. And maybe I didn't have the money that my friends had because I was funding it all. So my work on campus maybe didn't have, an, have enough money to do everything. So it was so easy to go down to the campus center and get a credit card. Uh, and then you realize that you have $500 in credit card debt and you're saying, well, geez, I have to work extra hard this summer to pay this off. So just those initial conversations about priorities, uh, about if there is an allowance, maybe what that might look like, or if there's not going to be an allowance at all, you know, having the student kind of understand that and, you know, they need to take extra time to prepare over the summers or during the school year to cover those miscellaneous costs that inevitably are going to come up. They're going to want to do fun activities that are options out there. Yeah. Uh, and so they want to have that flexibility to be able to do that. We were we were just talking in the last uh, couple of segments about students' unique strengths. And these things show up in terms of what they how they oh. engage with their communities and what they're interested in academically. But different people in the financial world also have unique right. strengths, right? Some are great savers. Some spend right away. Like, What are some of the things that parents can keep an eye on to help guide students to avoid the pitfalls that might come? Uh, and what are the kind of indications that they might you know, need to give a little bit more guidance on certain aspects of, of personal finance? I would say just from uh, experience recently with a family that I was helping with, you really need to uh, watch this earlier on. How is your child spending now? Uh, and how are they acting with money now? If they have a part-time job, are they saving at all? Uh, are they expecting mom and dad to maybe cover all of their other costs while they save it all? Uh, there are certainly students like that. There are some who begin to like, like spending a little bit of their own money. And are they spending that appropriately? Or are they always kind of at the bottom of the barrel there uh, right, as right. far as dollars go? Because what I tend to say is that students in college do not get less expensive on those miscellaneous costs. Uh, they tend to get more expensive in college, right, than, than their high school self. So if they are having trouble balancing that now, they're going to have trouble balancing it later on. And I think that's where earlier intervention and just conversations about budgeting and tracking what they're spending money on. I think just writing it down in a notebook, and we don't have to be official here, but like just write down in the notebook what you buy over the course of a week or a month and have kind of a, a, a note of, geez, this is how much I'm spending, uh, gives some kind of reflection on, well, geez, that's a, at a minimum what I'm probably spending on miscellaneous stuff when it comes to college, never mind book costs or technology costs or you know the other things. Yeah, it was, uh, I remember doing this in high school and uh, you know, you have kind of a uh an assumption about what your spending looks like. And then when you actually right. write it down, it's like, oh my gosh, I bought so many donuts this week. Right, right, uh, right. Like, what am I doing? Um, and, well, it's and the just, $2 at, at a time and maybe exactly. it's $4 now, but you don't think about it, right? You're like, it feels like oh, nothing. Four bucks. Yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. And it it's a great reminder for students to, to start establishing those habits because I think these are kinds of costs that can especially create stress. Like the big one, paying for tuition, um, you know, that's something that I think you can get to a number and figure it out and it's going to be what it's going to be, but these are more, um, uh, elastic costs, right? Like things that are going to, going to go up or go down depending on behavior. And it's where a lot right. of that stress potentially can be created around the process. And um, that's where a lot of, I think other flexibility can come into play because yeah. it can, it, it is a little bit moldable in there. And, and so you can be as, as 
aggressive or as conservative as you want with this spending. You know, there are a lot of families out there who say, I don't want my student to work in college, so I'm going to fund that. Yeah. Well, you need to develop those conversations about how much are you funding uh, and what are you funding and, and what right. are okays and what are not. But then on the other end, if the student is covering all of it, it's time to put that control even more in their hands uh, so that they fully understand what that means. Uh, and this, it, it certainly can mold behavior a little bit more because if they know that I have to make this X amount of dollars last this entire month or last this entire semester, it, it brings that mind into play. And as you said, Ian, college is a time to grow in a lot of different areas, not just academically. And this is one that can certainly uh, be a growing experience. Yeah. And, and establish patterns that later on are going to be essential for students to be successful. Right. right. Um, you know, the, the habits we create now when we start getting our first paycheck, you know, what's going to paying student loans back, what's going sure. to our costs of living, what's going, you know, all of that stuff is an important calculus that people have to do. And if you haven't gotten practice with that, it can be really challenging. Absolutely. Um, I wonder, uh, this is all really helpful. Um, I wanted to just ask you about some of the things that we talk about for seniors, like scholarships, um, you know, the, the supplemental sources of funding that, that students can get. When is too, is it too early to start right. thinking about this if you're early on in high school um, because you don't know exactly where you're looking or is there some kind of groundwork that we can start to lay in that space? That's a really good question. So there are a few actual scholarships that underclassmen can be awarded. Uh, so, you know, for those areas, using the scholarship search sites like uh, out there like scholarships.com or goingmary.com are good resources to sign up early, uh, not only because there may be one or two underclassmen scholarships that are awarded uh, in very niche categories, but also I think it starts give this, giving the student and the family understandings of well, what are these scholarships looking for? Uh, are these scholarships looking primarily for somebody highly academic? Are they looking for somebody who's got a good, you know, holistic profile? Uh, is there, you know, where do my skills uh, match up and where do my strengths match up? And how do I, over the next four years, potentially mold myself into a slightly better candidate for some of these scholarships? And I think a lot of the things that scholarships are looking for apply across the board. Uh, so they're good things to build on uh, from from the word go. That's great. Great advice. Uh, is there any final advice that you would want to make sure that uh, families are hearing for their underclassmen as they start to gear up for college? Just start having the conversations. Uh, as awkward and as difficult they may be to start, it becomes easier uh, for sure. Uh, and you will all you're going to have to have the conversation at some point. Uh, so. It's going to be a much better process for everybody if you have the conversation now and work through it together than having the conversation in March of their senior year uh, and a decision is looming. So maybe for our listeners out there, go ahead and look at your calendar, find a day that you can mark a time when you can all have that conversation and and get ready for it. Figure out you know what what you need to get in, in order and and start that discussion now. Yeah, I think that's a great piece of advice. Awesome. Thanks, Alex. This is a lot of help. 
uh, for everybody. I think it's including me. I got kids that are getting close to this. Um, <laughs> so we're looking down the road as well. Uh, that does it for today's show. Uh, I want to thank Alex and all of our guests today for their expert advice. We're going to be back again next week, talking about some of the new methods that folks are using to evaluate college applications and to answer your listener questions. If you want to send us a question, you can always do so at gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. We hope you all are having a great start to November uh, and that the fall is as wonderful and colorful uh, where you live as it is where I am and where I think where Alex is too, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So have a wonderful weekend and we'll look forward to seeing you here again next week. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a college coach conversation. New episodes drop every Thursday. The goal of this show is to demystify the college admissions process for families around the globe. To help with this mission, please leave a review and share with your friends. And to learn more about Bright Horizons College Coach, visit GetIntoCollege.com.